Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to the final Independence Day, I guess you want to say Independence Month edition of Wine and Dime with this month, with this week, excuse me, and our CEO. Welcome, Anne. Hi, Amy. I can't believe it's July. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> so we, um, we are spending, as I mentioned this month, talking about independence. And I know I normally open up the podcast with a tip of the month for wine. And, and um, I have to admit this week, I am not prepared. As we are recording right now, uh, I am one, I guess, one and a half weeks away from heading out to my first vacation in quite some time out to Oregon. And uh, I will be full of wine tips when I get back. But we're going to dig right into talking about being financially independent as we age. I think that's a topic uh, that many people are very concerned about, especially uh, as care costs, as we've heard, tend to go up. And I'll, I'll, I'll open up with a story. Um, last year, many people know that Brent's mom was quite ill and, and um, the family took some time to really help keep her in her home and make sure that she was taken care of. And we were searching for somebody that would help us a little bit with that caregiving. And it was tough, tough finding somebody that had availability to help us. And the costs were a lot more than I think people anticipated that the costs were going to be because we were trying to keep her out of a, a custodial care facility. So when we're thinking about planning for staying in our homes, or whatever we want in our lives. I, I think the earlier we start planning for something like that, the better. And uh, Ann and I were kind of chatting a few minutes before this podcast started, even as early as in our 50s, maybe. So um, we're going to kind of go all over the place with this conversation and hopefully provide you with some good resources that will help you be thinking about that planning process and uh, some ideas and suggestions that, that might just plant some seeds for you to be thinking about as well. So let's dig in. So Anne, um, you've been in this profession for hmm, 16 years at this mm-hmm. stage of the game. Yeah, yeah. long time. And um, I'm sure you've seen lots of things crop up throughout that period of time. What are some of the things that when you're talking to people about, or I guess, what is the age that you really start thinking? Because if you're in your 30s, it's pretty hard to plan for those costs, but what are the ages that you start thinking about really building that into the plan with some solid thought? 
Yeah. So like you were mentioning, we certainly want to start having those conversations a little bit more seriously when we're in our 50s. Um, and I think when it comes to this, it's it's an uncomfortable thought. It's, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not something that we, we really want to spend time focusing on, but just planning, planning, planning so important when it comes to this and starting in your 50s, um, thinking about you know, would long-term care insurance make sense? Um, the home that you live in, you know, a lot of people in their 50s as they really start seriously planning for retirement, um, you know, relocation might be a part of that. And really, where do you want to spend um, retire- your retirement years? Um, and so, you know, what would your home need to look like if that's your plan? If you really want to stay in your home, um, what do you need to have in place that would allow you to do that? And that might mean, you know, I did this with my mom when she moved. Um, she moved to be closer to family and she really found this great apartment that was upstairs and it had, you know, some features that she loved, but I was thinking long-term mom, you know, that doesn't make sense. So we went with the, you know, on the first floor, no stairs, walk-in shower, um, mm-hmm. just things that, you know, as the years have gone on, she's really grateful that she, you know, has that in place. So, um, you know, if you are thinking about relocating or making home improvements, what can you do to set yourself up um, to be able to stay in your home long term? And even somebody like my age, I think about that, too. If if we're making home improvements in our home, would the better investment be to think about, well, you know, maybe we don't need like a handrail right now, but let's make sure that if we install some kind of improvement in our bathroom, that we have that ability to do that. If that's our long-term plan to stay in the home, or let's say you're adding on to a house, making sure doorways are wide enough that if you needed a, you know, needed a wheelchair or you needed some kind of, um, almost like a walker or something like that, that, that it could easily like move from room to room. You don't want like, like you said, multiple steps or something. So, I mean, that that in and of itself allows you to stay in your home a, a little bit longer because of the, um, you know, those those little changes that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people ask about long-term care insurance, and then they see the price tag that's often like associated with long-term care insurance. One of the things that I often talk about with long-term care is you, you kind of can go a couple different routes, right? One is insurance, which just to remind everybody, insurance is just the transfer of risk. So instead of you self-absorbing it, you're transferring that risk to a company that if you need care that needs to be paid for outside your assets, then the insurance company will kick in. The other option is you can choose to self-fund it. So when we're planning, um, you know, those, I guess, share maybe a little bit about the pros and cons of going either of those directions. Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends, one, on your comfort level and your ability to self-fund. Some clients have enough assets that it, you know, it really makes sense to to self-fund. Then there's some that it's cost prohibited to get the insurance policies. And then there's those clients that are kind of in the middle um, where we really want to look seriously at, you know, the the different policies and the different features and, and see how those premiums fit into their budget. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of different features with these policies. So I think working with a planner that can help you understand everything is important because mm-hmm. um, they can certainly be expensive and they can have different features like a life insurance feature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think, you know, really planning that out and working with a planner can be really helpful in those instances. Mm -hmm. Um, And also knowing what you want, right? mm -hmm. I mean, that's, and you may not know exactly, but most people have a general idea. Like, again, I'm going to use myself as an example. I love where we live in Jasper and I love where we live in Florida. Um, Otherwise I probably wouldn't live there, (laughs) but, but the place in Jasper, it's, it sits on a, just the house itself sits on a five acre lot that needs to be mowed. Wow. And there's another hundred and some acres around it, which mostly is farmland, you know, and it can be used for like hay and stuff like that. But that five acres that the house and pond sits on, I, I could hire somebody to take care of that, but I can't in reality, nor do I honestly have the desire to personally take care of that. Mm-hmm. So for me, if something happened to my husband and or he needed care, I have to be thinking about what would I do? How would I manage that? And, um, you know, what, what would our options be? And so even though we're years down the road from that, I still think about that to think, okay, you know, I need to be saving for those kinds of events. And even if I had long-term care insurance, there's still going to have to be some additional costs that I'm going to have to take into consideration with regards to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So kind of thinking about it you know, even further, what are some of the other things when we're planning that, I mean, it's not exactly a fun topic to talk about, but what are some of the things that people might want to be thinking about? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you and I were talking about like the different age ranges, like in your fifties, you know, that initial conversation looking into long-term care insurance. And if you're going to be making home improvements, you know, consider the long-term and, you know, that impacting your ability to live independently. And then um, we talked about, you know, a key time is really between 60 and 65. And really you don't want to apply for long-term care insurance past that, it gets more difficult to be approved. So I think really those are key years to really start, you know, having those difficult conversations, talking to your family, talking to your kids and and your spouse, and really thinking about um, what you want to do with that. And and Amy and I were also talking about, um, you know, different things to like, you know, if you're going to be retiring in your 60s, would it make sense to just be open to working a little bit part-time and boosting your savings? Because you know, a lot of times clients have worked hard, they've saved, and the plan looks great until we start adding in long-term care expenses. That's what we see. I think most often we'll we'll make a plan go from successful to unsuccessful when we start adding in, you know, those long-term care costs. If if it were, you know, that you needed um, a nursing home or something with more intensive care. So, you know, really thinking about that, thinking about your family history and what risks you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, seeing how that would impact your your plan. Because that's most often, I think, with clients, that's when I really start to see plans not being as successful. Yeah, especially if you throw in any kind of dementia or long-term mental care. Because, you know, people can live with, with those kind of diag- diagnoses for a long period of times. And when, when it gets to the point where memory care is required, that's even more expensive than I would say traditional like care facilities. Mm -hmm. I read a statistic 
Um, this was on the alzheimers.org uh, website. I read a statistic that said one of nine people age 65 older have Alzheimer's. Oh, goodness. 55 million people are currently diagnosed with it in the U.S. 50, wow. or, sorry, I said that wrong. 5.5 million. That's a large number of people that are diagnosed with that. Mm-hmm. And then one in three people age 85 or older have the disease. So this is not so, I mean, that's a, that's a third of all people over the age 85. That's a pretty stammering um, statistic, I would say. So I think it's something that, um, you know, not everybody that has dementia has Alzheimer's, but it's something that it, I think you need to be thinking about and family history can come in t- to, to play with that. And I think, again, planning for the worst and hoping for the best is really what we need to be um, con- thinking about. And, it, and this is where crossover starts to happen is, you know, do you have your power of attorney set up? Do you have all of the documents for estate planning set up? Should that ever happen? But um, that that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, And I also think having the conversations, like I was meeting with a client that, um, you know, they, they think their kids would, would step in and, and want to take on that role. But, you know, I mean, not, I think talking things out with family and really understanding um, is important. Just having that plan. I mean, that's uncomfortable, but, you know, not assuming that things are going to look a certain way and, um, you know, yeah, talk- I think, I think the problem, I don't mean to interrupt you, Anne, but I think the problem with that is they may want to, but they might financially not be able to. Yeah. Or have more childcare burden than they realize. Or, um, you know, I think like us, my husband and I, we would certainly like to be able to take care of parents, but you know, like our home isn't set up for that. And we, you know, thinking about the responsibility with our young kids. And so, yeah. Exactly. It may not be end up being ideal. There's a good book out there called aginginvestor.com or website, excuse me, aginginvestor.com. And on that website, you can actually get a, it's a family guide to aging parents. It's a really good reference book to be able. And there's another book that I, I don't think it's in print anymore, but I think you can find it on Amazon. It's called The Other Talk. It's it's, I think it's a funny name. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like published that. by AARP and it was meant to be, you know, like how, when you're a kid, your parents have the talk with you. Well, this is the opposite, actually. This is the other talk. And this is a, this, that book is written in a way that like, okay, this is how you need, you know, can have a conversation around finances as, as you age. And really is is meant to bring the children into the conversation um so that there isn't there isn't that i wonder kind of thing hanging out there mm-hmm. yeah because um, i know in our case we would like to have those conversations but not everyone in the family is open to that so <laughs> maybe they need to read the other talk <laughs> we, you know we i guess being the planners like we would we would love to have a plan in place and um you know, let them know that we want to help, but just like, let's plan it out. (laughs) And then you have the other side of it where kids would like to be able to participate, like with what you're saying, but the family member is like, uh, uh, like we're not having you take care of us. And, you know, there's, I think there's a mix somewhere in the middle. You know, I think there's a good, if everybody's on the same page, that's what makes it, I think, come, come together. Well, um, I think there's also some, I don't want to say head in the sand, but that's the best way I can explain it. 
fear uh, to a certain extent, or like, I just don't want to talk about it. I know it's going to make my plan fail when it comes to the cost of, of care as a general rule, or even the cost of long-term care insurance. Um, AARP has a really good tool. I'll put it in the show notes that actually lets you put your zip code in and it'll give you the costs, current average costs in your area. So I just threw in one, four, eight, five, five. And um, just to see what the cost is. And um, I'll actually paste this website and for you as we're chatting in the chat box there, you can put yours in. It'd be interesting to compare your zip code to our zip code. Um, So what it's telling me when I look at this sort of thing is that in-home care services for 10 hours per week, because you can actually use the sliding scale with this. But 10 hours per week would cost about $168 um, a week. And then in addition to that, a home health aid for another 10 hours would be another $168 a week. So you're looking on a weekly basis somewhere in the neighborhood of around you know $336 per week. Uh, that that can add up over the course of the year if, um, you know, if you're looking at how much time that could cost. So... That to me uh, seems a little like I'm looking at that figure and knowing what we paid for Brent's mom's care. And I'm thinking that might not 168 or $168 per week divided by 10 is only $16 and 80 cents per hour. And I think that's actually a little low from what I saw on the community services side, when there's like adult daycare centers where you can take somebody to have like daily interaction and get communication and, you know, some still live at home, but someplace that they can get get social action that generally will cost. um, If you want to go seven days a week, that'll cost about $2,800 a month. So that's not, you know, that's a, a fairly um, it's an option, but it is, you know, it is $2,800 a month if that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. However, if you start shifting over to like residential care, where you're looking at different housing options, assisted living, actually. Um, oh, and by the way, if we add up both of those uh, and, and we want more hours, the home health care, the at-home care, and like adult daycare, if you added those up, it'd be somewhere around $5,000. If you only did like five days a week for the um, community service adult daycare, then it, on a monthly basis and in the 14855 zip code, you'd be looking at about $4,200 a month. That's somebody staying at home plus having those additional services would be $4,200 a month. Then when I look at what the cost is for assisted living, so assisted living, you're basically living in your own apartment, right? You're kind of on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about $3,300 or $3,400 in our area. Then we jump up to semi-private nursing home. That's around $11,000 a month. A private isn't that much more. It's eleven, like eleven thousand two hundred. So it's still a pretty significant chunk if you're going to have a private nursing home. Now that's full custodial care. Twenty-four hour custodial care is eleven thousand dollars a month. So if you're thinking about, you know, the average stay in a nursing home is typically six months, right? So full custodial care is somewhere in that average. That's sixty-seven thousand dollars. Pretty mm-hmm. good chunk. Does it, um, did you get a chance to actually look to see what your yeah. costs are? Assisted living, um, I still, I get 168, um, 
for the per week for the um, care services, uh-huh. like in home care services. Okay. For assisted living, it's thirty eight hundred, mm. um, but the nursing home is cheaper. So semi private is eight thousand ninety one, and private is eight thousand five hundred. So. So it's, that's interesting because we're a real rural area. So maybe the fact that you guys have more services available, you know, Mm -hmm. more facilities, the, the cost, that's a $2,000 difference. That's really, that's a fairly significant difference. And so having this conversation with people, like, where would you like to be Mm -hmm. to come into planning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think for most people, you want to be somewhere near your family and those, you know, when you think about that, but we do have clients that, you know, are single and planning for this and, um, you know, moving somewhere else, relocating, maybe an option. So how do people pay for this? Yeah. Or how don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you and I were talking about this, Amy, is I think, you know, I think people don't under quite understand how this all works um, when you're paying for long-term care costs, because they might think, well, I have insurance or I have Medicare, but Long-term care costs aren't covered under a medical insurance. They're not covered under Medicare. Well, you know, a little bit of coverage is, but not long, you know, long-term. Mm-hmm. Those those costs aren't covered under Medicare. Um, so there is Medicaid options, but, you know, you have to spend down assets significantly um, in order to qualify for that. So really making a plan and, and building some costs into the plan is important um, you know, and that's where long-term care insurance can come into it. And, and it may sound, well, long-term care insurance can be expensive, but we can also design the plan in so many different ways that we can look to make it more affordable for you and, and just complement, you know, the savings that you have set aside. Um, you know, and there's there's going to be different options. If it's a couple, a lot of times we'll see, well, one spouse will be the caregiver initially. And then, um, you know, for the, the, second, the second surviving spouse, um, they, you know, they could look into other options. Would they, um, you know, would they move out of their home? Would that be an option to fund some of this? Um, so there's certainly a lot of things that can go into crafting a plan um, and making this um, work for you. But, you know, as I keep saying, I think planning is key. Any tips? I mean, you know, I think... Um... I always like to do takeaways, right? Any tips that you can think of or priorities? If if this is the, if, if listening to this podcast is prompting, you think, man, I really need to get on the ball with this. What are, what would be maybe the first or a couple action steps that you could take um, just to, to start the process? Yeah, I think thinking about what you want, um, what you want, what you would want your care to look like. I think that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, you know, we'll, we'll share this AARP website with you and you can, you know, start looking at some of those costs. Um, and then, you know, getting quotes for long-term care insurance, but I really, um, not trying to self-promote. I really think working with a planner can be really crucial. Um, and just understanding how that long-term care insurance fits into your overall plan. Because if you work with just an insurance agent to get a long-term care policy, they're not going to look at everything else and, and decide for you, you know, what coverage you need and could you self fund versus buying this? They're not going to do all of that analysis. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think working with a planner can be really crucial, but I think a starting point is just 
you know, thinking through what you want your care to look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll add probably as a third option to just take into consideration the, um, the impact of those around you, like how your plan will actually impact your loved ones. And, and I would say, um, the, the reason I'm saying that is because, like I said, your kids may say, mom, I'll take care of you or dad, I'll take care of you. And you may want that as well. But when it comes right down to it, as much as they might want to do that, they financially might not be able to. And so taking into consideration that impact, I think is really important as your, I guess it goes back to that plan, but it is a separate thought that needs to be considered when you're putting the big picture together about what kind of care you want, how you want to fund that care, and then the impact of those loved ones around you um, or anybody around you. So, you know, it could be somebody like Brett and I who don't have children at all. So <laughs> the impact would not be to our children, but we have, uh, I would say, you know, our, our nieces and nephews definitely are very engaged in our lives. They wouldn't want to see us not taken care of either. Uh, but we do have to think about the impact of, of our you know family if, if we don't put a plan together. And if you do have children, thinking about that impact of how them taking time off from work to take care of you will affect not only their salary, but their retirement, the, possibly their health care benefits, possibly their promotion opportunities. I mean, there's a lot that, that goes into that impact of, of those around you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, so we are going to share with you a couple of things that I mentioned, that website. There's a couple of books that I mentioned. Another good book that I just want to make sure that I throw out there, again, you can get this on Amazon.com, is Hidden Truths About Retirement and Long-Term Care. Um, This was written by Carolyn Rosenblatt, I believe is how it's pronounced. She's an elder law, she's an RN and an elder law attorney, which I thought was a very interesting dynamic. And then Dr. Davis, and I think is I think the name is Mikola, Dr. Mikola Davis, and uh, this is a psychologist and um, actually works with, uh, I guess you want to say uh, people that are aging, uh, hopefully gracefully, but aging. So geri- geriologist, I think is how they say it, um, gerontologist or something like that. I always mess up that that pronunciation, but you know what I'm trying to say. So that you can get start getting additional information available to your for your own purposes. We also encourage you to actually look at your healthcare plans and see if there is any coverage in your healthcare plan for like if let's say you have a stroke or something like that. They may cover some long-term it's it's not really long-term care, it would be short-term care recovery, but it's usually pretty limited and we want you to be aware of those benefits. And um, certainly talk to your financial advisor if we happen to be that. We, we uh, certainly want to have that conversation with you and have probably approached you with this conversation, whether you wanted it or not. <laughs> and we want you to, to feel like if it ever happens, you have a good plan in place and it's not like last minute decision making that has to be you know, kind of pieced together and not what your wishes are. So any final thoughts that you'd like to share, Anne, as we close for the session? Um, I, don't, I think you said that really well, Amy, the way you wrapped that up. 
I'm excited well, to check out some of the, the books that you mentioned. <laughs> if we hope that you, um, you know, find this podcast helpful and these resources helpful to you as you start on this portion of the financial planning journey. Certainly, if we have any questions, we'd love to hear what those questions are. We like to throw them in our Asking for a Friend blog. We hope that you'll share this with your friends and your family, and maybe this prompts a conversation with family members and you've not known how to, to sort of bring it up with somebody. Also, don't forget to jump on over to iTunes and like us and rate us because that just moves us uh, further up in the ranking system so that more people find us and can take advantage of this hopefully useful information. We, we appreciate you listening and we look forward to any questions that you have. Don't forget to send them our way. Thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.